0: Resume is a solid service to get you a better resume. Reasonably priced. It's not a premium service. It's for people like you and I who can afford a certain amount of money and also need a great result. And even better, they have a plan through a firm that allows you to stretch your payments for service over the course of the year to something like 20 some odd dollars or 30 some odd dollars per month so that you don't have to write a large check which right now if you're not working is really important to you so use the link in the show notes it will help you get a resume and if you want a LinkedIn profile done for you very inexpensively episode 2116 the number one podcast in Apple podcast for job search. This is No BS Job Search Advice Radio. I'm Jeff Alton, The Big Game Hunter, and welcome. Today's show is an interview that I did with Amanda Boyd about looking for a job if you're a member of the LGBTQ community. It's also about hiring and presenting yourself as an inclusive employer so that people who are members of that community feel safe joining your organization. And we talk about some of those safety issues that exist in the show. Hope you find it helpful. Hope you give the show an honest review wherever you listen to it. It does help other people discover the show. And we'll be back in just one moment. Today's show is brought to you by Skillshare.com. At Skillshare.com, they have thousands of classes available not just simply about business or job hunting, but lots of different classes on a host of different subjects. Almost anything you can think of and they have one low price associated with your learning. They have classes about particular technologies you can learn, pottery, public speaking. I have a half dozen of my classes about job hunting there writing, photography, film, almost anything you can think of, they have Skillshare classes available. Now, if you use my link, TheBigGameHunter.us forward slash Skillshare, they'll offer a free trial and 30% off if you decide to join. There's a lot to learn and Skillshare is a place where you can learn it. Now, let's get back to today's show. So, my guest today is Amanda Boyd, She's the founder of Visible Talent Company in Akron, Ohio, which is a national inclusive recruiting agency specializing in connecting LGBTQ individuals and allies to ideal inclusive employers. Her firm's mission is not only to support job seekers in a comfortable and confident employment experience, but to connect with employers wanting to improve their diversity mission and commitment to DEI through hiring practices that go beyond lip service. Mm -hmm. So true, so true. Amanda, welcome. Thanks for making time today.
1: Absolutely, Jeff, thank you for having me.
0: My pleasure. When I hear someone started a business as yours, there's a backstory to this. Of course. Tell me about it.
1: It, Yeah. Where do I start? Um, So
0: page one.
1: (laughs) Right. Right. So for me, um, I have been somebody who grew up very blue collar, have been working most of my adolescent life into my adulthood now. Um, And, you know, I've worked everywhere from a, a flea market to a fast food restaurant to Um, I was the head of of campus security at my undergrad and even now um, my most recent career was as an art teacher and now I'm an entrepreneur. And so when I think about back to my experiences where I wasn't the one hiring, where I'm the one going in blindly to these interviews and to um, these job situations or opportunities that I'm trying to achieve for myself, I always felt at a somewhat disadvantage as as an out and somewhat androgynous, noticeably visible lesbian. Um, You know, for when I was an undergrad, my professors used to tell me, don't tell them, don't tell them, they're they're not gonna hire you, the education field is too conservative, you know, even though I was an art teacher, you know? (laughs) And so I went into these things and they're like, you gotta wear a dress, you should probably wear a skirt, you have a pantsuit, what's going on? And it became this kind of like sense of stress for me going into my first professional experience you know is what do i wear and i'm going to be judged and always already already minus one going into the interview blindly not knowing um what the attributes or values of, of the hiring of the hiring person was going to be and i probably went through five five or seven different interviews as um Coming out of undergrad, where I just didn't get the position and I was being interviewed by cisgendered white men. And I always felt like whether that was because of me and and who I am, or or it was because of my lack of confidence, because I felt like I had something to hide, I was never really sure what was happening there until I met a principal um, in 2009 who saw me, and when I say that she saw me, I meant that she, she used language that made me know that it was gonna be okay. She asked me, you know, oh, what's your, what's your, what's your life like? Do you have a partner? Do you have this, Do you, what's going on? And just that small verbiage that she used, let me know that I was in a safe place. And that was actually the first person that um, gave me a chance professionally, you know, as, as somebody 22 coming out of school. Um, and as I reflect on that, and it was all uphill from that point, for me being able to kind of come out of my shell. Uh, but I, I never wanted to have employees as I became an entrepreneur feel that way in my interviews. And I always wanted to give younger people a pep talk, be like, it's okay, you're not gonna be for everyone. But as long as you're being authentic, you know, then you've got somewhere to go and you can stand up on your own two feet. Um, so visible talent is just that. It's an opportunity for employees to be seen and be hired and it's an opportunity for employers to really um put their money where their mouth is when it comes to diversity
0: and when you talked about your experience yeah. when was that what decade so this, was oh that? yeah
1: this this is like this is 2007 2009.
0: Ooh, the stone ages Ooh.
1: yeah so we're talking like uh george w we're talking issue one we're talking don't ask don't tell is still in effect we're talking people are closeted in the military. People aren't able to get married, people are trying to navigate civil unions, adoption is an iffy su- subject, surrogacy legal support was non-existent. So it's it's it was a different time, even though you know it was mm-hmm. only 15, 20 years ago.
0: And the other thing for the those who don't know, you use the term cisgendered.
1: Mm-hmm. Did you
0: define yeah. it for them as well?
1: Yes. So um, again, I'm I'm not an expert um, on on the gender terminology um, as as a, as a profession but you know cis versus um trans is, is you can kind of view it for simplicity terms cisgender mean that you identify with the biology of birth and uh, transgendered mean that you have um gender identity that differs from so, biology of birth
0: thank you because uh, yeah. i want to make sure the audience follows what you said oh absolutely so with that you have, a, we're going to be covering advice for both okay. job hunters and employers to yeah. ensure that job hunters recognize environments where they can feel safer. Yeah. And I have to say safer because, you know, it's not necessarily safe, but yeah. safer. Uh, and from an employer's perspective, the kinds of things that they want to be doing to demonstrate a real commitment, not a, uh, a as the intro said, a lip service commitment.
1: Absolutely.
0: So let's start off on the employee side.
1: Sure. Uh, I think there are a lot of choices that need to be made by somebody going into, um, into their career field when it comes to their sexuality. Everyone has their own threshold of what they're willing to share. And it's usually erring on the side of closeting. Um, but I would really empower uh, in this day and age where we are going through a gender revolution, we are, you know, looking at the brink of the Federal Equality Act, is where where is your breaking point? Um, I don't mean that you need to put, you know, your sexuality after your, after your name as a moniker on your resume, but you can definitely put your pronouns. Um, are there ways that you can gently allude to your uh, sexuality or even allyship to the, to the community by doing things like putting your volunteer work on the bottom of your resume. Um, can you refer to your cover letter in general neutral, in general, gender neutral language? Um, can you, how out do you want your resume to be? And that of course is a personal choice, but when you do that, I would empower you to stick to it, you know, and if someone misgenders, you correct them. If somebody speaks about people in your life in terms of gender or spouse that doesn't reflect your lifestyle, husband, wife, et cetera, so on, speak up. If someone assumed you don't have children because you are a member of the community, speak up, you know? Um, And so that kind of like, having your resume translate into your interview, have have it be the same. It's really easy to be out on paper and go into the interview and cower inside yourself and not be as comfortable or as not to, not to stand up for yourself or not to correct people who may or may not be ignorant or not even prejudiced, could just be ignorant to, to your needs and your preferences uh, in, in the way that people speak to you. Um,
0: I'm gonna interrupt for just one moment. Yeah. I know that there was a point where uh, I was working with a number of people who considered themselves you know, gay friendly yeah. and they would always refer to partner. Yes. And I started to correct them and say, remember, wife, husband, partner, Mm -hmm. because, you know, there's equality in marriage in the United States now. And I don't know about other nations, but at least in the US, there's marriage equality. So make no assumptions about who the spouse is or the marital status of the person that you're talking with. And I know for myself, when I've spoken to people who've been referred to me as coaching, Uh, as as people to coach, I've always used that language and I've been thrilled when someone's come out and said, you know, I was talking with my husband about this for a man or talking to my wife for a woman, uh, because she felt comfortable or he felt comfortable opening up to me that there was a spouse of the same gender. And for those of you who are interviewing, um, and this is on both sides of the equation, I have to assume, and please correct me, because I just don't know <laughs> uh, that it, it, the choice about revealing is a reflection of your comfort and your willingness to be yourself.
1: I would, I would, tend to, I would tend to agree with that. You know, I don't mean to speak for everyone. Some people have a very strong line if they want to keep their work life, work life, and their, and their private life, private. But at some point, you know, your private life has comes into work. And so I would I would tend to agree that, you know, the level of, of authenticity that you come into the workplace with does reflect your confidence and comfort level. Um, and I do think it matters, um, you know, something as simple as your attire, how are you going to present yourself in the interview? You know, along with what you do on paper, is what, what is your person? Are you going to um, be somebody who's going to be gender neutral? Are you going to be, um, Present yourself as transgender, even though you might have, you know, and if you want to talk about terminology between cisgender, you know, dead names are also a big issue um, for for the transgender community. Is do I put my legal name or do I put my uh, preferred name? And at what point does that differ between having the legal name change, having it be in process, having it be, um, you know, there, there, you know, do you do you present yourself as female, but allow them to call you William. If you, if you are in that and that's your identity, that's fine. But what if you prefer a different name? You know, how, do, how does that go on the resume? And I do think that is also a personal preference. Um, but whatever you do, be comfortable in it and realize that if you are not going to be accepted in the interview, <laughs> you are not gonna be accepted in the workplace. So is that the life you wanna live?
0: For the trans individual, I have the idea, and again, I'm learning along with some of the people sure. in my audience, that you would fill, you would have the resume with your preferred name. Mm-hmm. When you do the application for HR, you might have the conversation by saying, Absolutely. yeah, so this way it's not with the workers yes. who are making the decision, it's with HR going, you know, I'm not, this is this is how I was born this is the way you'll find my background
1: yes and I was and I would definitely equate it to no different than somebody who may be maiden name to married name divorce name to ref, going back to maiden name you know you don't have to be ashamed of, of this situation or tread on it because name changes happen in every type of of identity absolutely
0: true absolutely
1: true
0: <laughs> absolutely. so true. So, so the first thing is making decisions about the degree of out that you're willing to be. Yes. And what's the second thing that uh, someone might do?
1: Yeah, um, I do think you should present yourself authentically in whatever uh, gender expression that you choose when you go into the interview. I think that pulling that... Um, like I said, I, I am always in favor of going in there authentically, realizing that if I'm accepted in the interview, I have a better chance of being accepted in the workplace. It, it really is a taking the temperature for the culture of, of an organization. Um, and the last thing I would say, besides resume and attire and gender expression, would be the negotiations. You know, um, s- heterosexual women tend to be the most um, complacent when it comes to asking for negotiations and salary or um, asking for certain things in their contract. And I think that if you are somebody um, that needs certain things in your life, whether it be adoption or surrogacy support, um, whether it be gender identity, um, ability in your healthcare, whether it be more higher wage, I think that sometimes in our community, um, we are less likely to ask for that negotiating because maybe we don't feel like we are entitled to it. It's really easy to feel, um, you know, when you you have to come out as a child, you have to come out as, as a spouse, you have to come out in the workplace. Um, I think that we should be asking for for equality as well when we're talking about our pay and our benefits and our packages that we're offering to that we're accepting from employers.
0: It gives me the idea that it's part of the lack of freedom that people feel to be themselves. That you can't ask for fear that.
1: Yes, or they're not, or that they're not um, entitled to it. Like they're not good enough for it, or they're being too appreciative of the job instead of knowing what they had to offer in the workplace.
0: Yeah, interesting. Um, you know, one of my things is also about helping people play big in the world.
1: Oh, yeah. Big game first.
0: Exactly right. <laughs> and with that comes the idea that uh, supporting people with feeling free enough to ask, to yes. negotiate, if necessary, reject offers that are <laughs> inadequate. So that in this way, there's always going to be some firm that will provide the, the right offer. Yes. It's a question of timing sometimes. If you need something now, I don't presume to make decisions for people. But there's an awareness of what you're stepping into and the compromises you're choosing to make going into such an environment. I don't encourage or discourage. I don't have that power, Um, but it's going in consciously.
1: Absolutely. You know, I was um, in another life. You know, I was I was a K through 12 art teacher. And, uh, you know, I had a professor tell me, you know, you can always start strong when it comes to classroom management and when it comes to classroom accountability, but you can't go in there soft and expect to be able to have a bunch of (laughs) six-year-olds, you know, do what you say. And not that we're trying to, you know, uh, commandeer our employers, but at the same time, if you come in strong with what your needs are and who you are, it's going to be a lot more easier and that expectation is going to be set from the beginning.
0: Excellent. Do we have more tips or are we going on the employer side now?
1: I would go out to the employer. I got more to tell them.
0: Oh, good. (laughs) Good. Because they need to hear it without a doubt. So tip number one.
1: Yeah. Tip number one is don't assume that you can see the diversity in your applicant
0: pool. Oh, they don't have gaydar.
1: Of course not. You know, we all might have our own. A uh, uh, level of, of gaydar, but yeah, I would tell you that, you know, it's really easy. Well, I'll just, I'll just hire gay people. Done. My DEI goal, my quota has been met. Um, I would tell you that uh, contrary to popular belief that you need to at first, before you start trying to change things, you need to take the temperature of your, of your culture. You need to be listening to your allies. Because whether you think or not, the allies are going to be the most direct route to increasing your company's inclusion. Define an ally
0: for the audience.
1: Yes, an ally is somebody who might not identify as a member of the LGBTQ plus community, but maybe they are in favor of equal rights. Maybe they have a, maybe they have a, a child that identifies, a neighbor, a friend, a colleague, they are the people that are going to be more likely to stand up to bigotry. They are going more going to be more likely um, to to call you out on your BS. If you are doing something that is not aligned and sometimes you have to ask. And when you ask, you'll be surprised the people that have opinions or that have um, relationships in their life that involve the community. So I think that before you try to to make policy changes to be more inclusive, you should probably start listening to your people, because your allies are going to be the ones steering the ship.
0: And let's say it's an environment where there are some allies, some not. How does someone navigate that environment as a leader of an organization?
1: Right. I guess you have to again, as, as I told the employees that they have to go in there and, and have their tipping point of what they what they're expecting to do prior. How out is their resume going to be? I would also em- empower the employers to say how inclusive do, are we going to be, and what level of non-inclusivity are we going to um, accept?
0: And that's interesting because I don't know that any employer can say, you know we're not going to be a particularly inclusive environment, you know, you know, gay is okay. Black is okay. I'm not sure about Latinx or how, I don't think they, I don't don't
1: understand the T or, you know, and so, yes, there are different levels of acceptance. um, But I think that when you have an environment that might be mixed in their politics, in their views, and their morals, and their values. I think that cultures attract like-minded culture, rural people, and I think that people that no longer fit a culture will weed themselves out if it's something that is that a much of a deal breaker to them. Um, so I wouldn't worry so much about the naysayers as much as I would try to listen more to members of the community that might currently be in your organization, or the allies around them, um, I would also want to let you know that as an employee, we are looking for the smallest signals of inclusive of inclusion. It doesn't—you don't have to have a gay a pride flag on your front door. You don't have to—you know—you don't—you don't have to come around and and make special accommodations during Gay Pride Month. You don't—we we don't have to have an office parade. You know, but what what we do need are the small signals during the application, interviewing, hiring, onboarding, and job process that signals to us that you are a safe place.
0: Signals such as?
1: Such as. um, The first thing I always look for on a company website, do you have a diversity mission statement? It's not going to be out in the open, some on my website, it is. On others, it's not gonna be, but if it's there, we, we are going to notice it. Um, on the application, do you have pronoun options? Am I being required, you know, to choose from a binary situation of male and female? Or are you going to be open? And not just saying he, she, uh, he, him, she, her, they, them, but do you have that other? because the other is important because self-identifying uh, and genderized expression and gender identity is, is as fluid as the number of people that you have in your organization. So you have that diversity mission statement, have the pronoun option. Um, one that you might not think about is reviewing your company dress code.
0: Interesting, talk to me about it. A,
1: a lot of dress codes are binary by just tradition. You know, funny story is that I grew up in, um, near Sandusky, Ohio. And I worked at Cedar Point many summers of a college student. Their dress code, it's better now. Horribly gendered. Horribly gendered. Males had to have couldn't have their hair longer. You know, males had couldn't have their hair longer than over the ears. Um, women had to wear a different type of tie to their shirt when when I was a housekeeper, when I was working at the hotel. Um, you know, are you, are you what, what is business attire for your organization? And if that's the case, you know, how it, it's already harder for, for heterosexual and six women because the, you know, the suit thing, what, what is the equivalent of the suit and tie? Um, but, but do you require a suit and tie? Is that where you're, where you're saying that gender is, is defined in the business world? Um, you know, it's, it's something very slight, but I'm, am I going to be seen as less professional? or more professional if I wear a suit. You know, what's funny is that there was a study recently that talked about, you know, how people are being promoted in the workplace. And it it appears that um, it all reverbs around the masculine identity of the individual. So, you know, uh, homosexual or bisexual women that are more, present themselves as more masculine in their expression tend to be promoted more so than straight women, that it might be more traditionally female female, um, expressed. Um, But at the same token, straight males seem to be promoted more often than more effeminate gay males. Hmm. So it's it's this thing where are we equating our our, um, promotions, are we equating success and moving up in the company in that kind of binary option where we're talking about somebody who's more authoritarian or masculine being somebody who's ready for the position. You know, so I would look at your soft skills as well and say, you know, am I really judging this promotion based on the performance of the individual, you know, aside from how people dress? Um, so that's kind of where I, where I am with dress code is we don't realize even subconsciously, whether it's, it's um, written or not, you know, what is your dress code? What are you expecting people to wear to work? Um, spousal benefits and, and what kind of what kind of health care are you choosing for your employees? Are you choosing healthcare that is going to be gender affirming and allowing people to have, you know, gender affirming surgeries um, or health care? Are you approving, um, choosing health care that's allowing for spousal, spousals, um, spouses to be involved? Are, do they have adoption benefits? Do you have surrogacy benefits, um, you know, are, are adoption options? Um because these are very things that are very expensive in the community and that we're looking for, especially for high performing uh, professionals within the community, is that we we need these to live with our families for the most part. Um, and that's kind of a a, a ticking point as well. Um, I'm, an,
0: I'm an adoptive parent, and yeah. it, it is expensive. We did an international adoption, mm-hmm. and this is going back to two thousand and one. Uh, We traveled to Central Asia, and the cost of the adoption at that time was $35,000, which we had to bring as cash with us in new bills, because (laughs) they don't take checks. (laughs) And getting in that country through the currency system, because they had just extracted themselves from the old Soviet Union and Russia, they needed new bills. Yeah. Lots of little things. So the idea of adoption benefits, I get, I know how expensive it is.
1: Oh, yeah. You know, and um, my wife and I are self-employed. And so that becomes an option too. You know, it's like, how do you afford that? You know, we have two children as well. And going through the fertility process. Oh, boy. Yes. Oh, boy. And trying to navigate that through a infertility clinic, because when you can't When you don't have the male and and female um, partnership, people, when you go into a a fertility clinic, they assume you're infertile. (laughs) And so what kind of testing are they going to put through your insurance? That's unnecessary, you know? So I was able, I dig, I'm I'm digressing here, but you know, I I was able to, again, using these principles of standing up for who I am, I'd say, I don't need these tests because I'm not infertile. I'm just gay. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I don't need X, Y, or Z, you know? Um, so I think that, you know, and and I was able to get probably half of those procedures not done because I I didn't need to be treated as infertile. I just needed to be treated as a person in a different type of relationship. Um, so that's what I would tell employers to do, you know, use the small signals, have a mission statement, have some pronoun options, uh, assess your dress code culturally, listen to your allies, pick healthcare that works for everyone.
0: Fascinating. Um, And for someone who has a LinkedIn profile, of course, pronouns present there so that when someone is researching who they're interviewing with, they see the pronouns uh, and it's a signal.
1: Yes. And what's really interesting, too, is that you're seeing a lot of allies take on even emojis on their LinkedIn profiles, you know? They're they're putting the pride flag after their after their pronouns in parentheses, um, even though they may, they may or may not be a member of the community. Um, so I think this kind of EmojiCon world that we're living in where symbols are, are everything, you know, having the words of your pronouns is a very simple way to signal to someone that you are a safe place and an inclusive place. But I do think that, you know, even on LinkedIn where it's more professional, I think people are open to having those symbols on their, on their professional page, because it's just, again, it speaks louder than words sometimes.
0: And for those who don't understand them, they don't know, they don't care.
1: (laughs) No one thinks less of you because you're putting your pronouns, you know, Uh, I think, I think, you know, you only, you're attracting the attention from the people that you want to signal to.
0: Gotcha. So what haven't we covered yet? What should, what else should we be talking about today that we haven't spoken about yet?
1: Well, we should be talking about, um, you know, the federal protections that we're about to, to, to see, you know, the Equality Act. Um, as of 2020, you know, there were 22 states and DC that had expressed, pro, um, only 22, to, uh, only 22 states have um, expressed um, the, the inability to discriminate in the LGBT community. And so we've got, we've got 28 states here where you can still be fired. Bizarre. You know, and I don't think anybody outside, regardless of their sexuality, your personal life, you know, inside a lawful person should not be any reason to, to be able to uh, dissuade the, per- the performance that you're doing on the job.
0: So true. So in the New Equality Act, there's federal protection to ensure that there's no terminations or wrongful termination based upon gender preference, gender orientation, etc.
1: Yep. Because if you I don't, you know, you go to I, I do a lot of contracts in my line of work with recruitment. And anytime you go to a lawyer and ask them to draft a contract, they had the standard uh, you know, currently federal protected things, you know, gender, sex. All of these things that uh, you cannot discriminate against, and sexual orientation and gender identity and expression are not yet there, and so I always have to ask my attorneys to add them. I say I realize this, but my company does not discriminate on the federally protected, um, you know, di- demographics as well as these additional ones. So it's always interesting to see, you know, that by default people are giving you the minimum, and you have to ask for more.
0: So true. So mm-hmm. true. Amanda, this is fabulous. I really mean that. How can people find out more about you and the work that you do?
1: Yeah, so um, I'm very active on LinkedIn. If you wanna get in touch with me personally, I would tell you to go to my LinkedIn account, which is just Amanda Boyd, um, or you can look up my LinkedIn page, which is the Visible Talent Company. You can also go to visibletalentcompany.com to see my current job openings that I'm uh, filling. You can also sign up to be a part of my general application pool. Where you're just putting your name, you know, your, your hat in the ring there and allowing me to add you to my database for searches. If you're a company or an employer that wants to reach out to me, same way you can reach me at info at visibletalentcompany.com. Send me a quick inquiry, we'll do a quick call to see what your needs are and how I can help you fill your most valuable vac- vacancies inclusively.
0: Are you doing consulting around DEI for companies as well?
1: I can, yes. I've done it on a smaller scale um, because. Uh, just timing, I've, I've been so lucky, lucky to be inundated with a lot of people that are wanting to fill positions. Um, you know, so we're talking to people like um, Joanne Fabrics, Just Want just went Public. They have a brand new diversity and inclusion department that they are starting, that they're launching with, that we're working to partner with to fill those positions for store management, for warehouse workers, for interns, for corporate personnel. Um, so, we're seeing some big changes here in the in the DEI, in the DEI realm. And more and more companies, um, thankfully, have been reaching out to me to kind of open this up on a national scale.
0: Wonderful. Amanda, thank you. So, that's today's show. I hope you found it helpful. And if you did, I've got a lot that's in the show notes that will help you. Go there. Take a look at some of the things I highlight. I know it can help you with your search. But I want you to do one thing for me. And that is, put in your phone, TheBigGameHunter.us, Jeff Alpin my name. And when you need help, when you need advice, when you have a question, come over to the website, go exploring in the blog, contact me for coaching or because you have a question, I'd love to help you. In the meantime, I hope you have a terrific day. And most importantly, be great! (laughs)